<laughs> this morning, our scripture comes from the Old Testament. Now, I am sometimes surprised at where God takes me in the scriptures. And, and I think, what is this about? But as I read our text for today, and I prayed over it, and frankly had to question God about it a little bit, he said, just be patient. It will all come together, and it'll make sense. And so, Lord willing, and the Holy Spirit in our hearts and on our ears, we will hear and see that coming together this morning. Our scripture comes from Numbers chapter 14, verses 3 and 4. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become booty. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? So they said to one another, Let us choose a captain and go back to Egypt. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Let us pray. Almighty God, these may seem like strange words in this time where we are now, but Lord, aren't we exactly in the place where we are, where we long to go back to what we knew before? before a year ago. So Lord, touch our hearts with your message for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The tragedy of a wasted opportunity. We've all been there. We all know what that is like. And how many times has that been the stories of our life? Not only our lives personally, but our life as a nation, the institutions in our country, even for the institution of the church. We're right on the edge of an opportunity to do something good, to better the world, to better ourselves, if you will. But for some reason, we seem to let the opportunity just slip by. And this was the case in our scripture for today. The Israelites had gone to the very edge, the very edge, mind you, of the promised land. It was spread out before them. Yet the people became frightened and discouraged, and they began to grumble against Aaron and Moses. We heard cries of, let us go back to Egypt. Now, I can't imagine that. And, and I know the story of God's people. And I, I know what it was like back in Egypt. 
But they lived in that time back in Egypt. The opportunity was right there before them. Yet, they wanted to turn tail and go back to what they knew. I think that a lot of times we are very much like God's people. We long to go back to that Egypt that we know because we're too afraid to go forward. We're too afraid to go forward. If you remember the story here in Numbers, the scouts were sent out to get a lay of the land, to take a look at the promised land, that land of milk and honey, if you will. But it wasn't going to be just a simple walking across and being in the promised land. It was going to be a very hard land to settle, if you will. It would take a lot of work. But the biggest thing that they discovered when they sent these scouts out was that there were people that were already there. And they were big people. They were giants, the scripture said. So that immediately instilled fear in the Israelites. They became frightened, and they decided that it might just be better if they went back where they came from. So many times that's true in our lives as well. How many times have we lamented in this pandemic, oh, for the days before COVID, when we could go back and we could gather together in our churches and we could do what we do best at Red Ridge, and we can love on each other. A lot of times, we miss opportunities in our lives as well. We miss out on things that God puts right in front of our face because we're afraid. We're fearful of what lies ahead. And I dare say, if we were to make a list, it would roll out the door of all of the things that we are afraid of in the face of many, many opportunities. We, too, are scared. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of falling. We're afraid of what other people will think. As a church, we're afraid of the new. <laughs> I was reading through something the other day. It was something that I had written at some time or other. I, we're in the middle of licensing school, so I went back. You know, um, We as Christians and as the church, we're to go out and make disciples of the world, Correct encourage people to change their life and commit themselves to Jesus Christ. Yet statistics show us that once those people get inside of the church, the church don't want to change anything at all. 
And I thought that was very interesting. And, and yes, sometimes that's very true. Sometimes that's very true. And I hate to think about it this way, but sometimes our lives are defined by our fears. Sometimes our lives are defined by our fears rather than our strengths or our faith. And there is a whole lot to fear. As we look into the future, especially from where we are right now, we're frightened by it. There's a whole lot of unknown out there, isn't there, about our future. Almost to the point that we're paralyzed. We're paralyzed and we don't want to move. There's, there's an awful lot of giants out there in our future that we're intimidated by. But the thing that we tend to forget when we focus on our fears, sure, they're out there, but God is out there too. God is out there too. And that should tell us a lot because he's already there waiting for us, especially in those opportunities that he's calling us to. He is there waiting for us. Now, God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, and he took really good care of them while they were in the wilderness. And I think that should give us, his people today, the confidence to know that he is there for us as well. And whatever it is out there in our future, he's already there. He's already there, and he is going to take care of us. And as Ron pointed out a while ago, he has been taking care of us. I wanted to shout amen when you made that statement a while ago. Because there are still so many churches, and, and I am not making a judgment call at all. Because individual churches have their own makeup and their own ways that they do things. But I am so grateful to be a part of this Red Ridge congregation in Dadeville, Alabama. It makes me proud. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God can take care of whatever future we are facing. And I really, really, really don't want to be like the Israelites who let their fears control them who let their fears become so big that they couldn't see the opportunities anymore and they could not see God already there in their future. You know, uh, I, I laugh at the... It, I don't laugh, but I, I certainly get it. But it was, it was interesting to me how the Israelites longed to go back to Egypt. They longed to go back to Egypt. Uh, I, I think they had really forgotten what it was like in Egypt. I think they forgot that what they had in Egypt was torment and tragedy. They didn't remember those things that wanted them to leave in the first place. 
that made them want to leave. It was agonizing slavery. It was torture and cruelty at the hands of the Egyptians. They had forgotten for the moment in the face of their fear that living in Egypt was a living hell for them. Today, we're not so different from the Israelites. We worship nostalgia. We collect the relics of the past. As Bill and I are getting ready in the next couple of months to begin building our house, we're not looking towards the new. We're looking towards the old. I'm looking for for things of the past that maybe are things of comfort for me. We love the relics of the past. How many of us, and I won't say guilty, but how many of us listen to the golden oldies? And I'm not going to dare put a year on those golden oldies. <laughs> We are interested in the history of the past and the people of the past. But one thing has, has occurred to me in that, as much as we relish the history and the things of the past, we don't seem to learn our lessons from the history and the things of the past. How many times have we heard it said, and maybe even said ourselves, Oh, I wish we could go back to the good old days. My question is, what good old days? Which good old days? Where were they? Since the 1900s, we have been involved in war. And all that comes with that, economy and and soldiers not being at home. We have lived through a depression. We have lived through prohibition. We've watched corruption that has started at the bottom and went to the top, and then we've watched corruption as it started at the top and went to the bottom. We see corruption everywhere we look, not only in our government, but in our churches as well. And as a pastor who sometimes tries to look with spiritual eyes, I see a spiritual void, an emptiness in the faces of the people that I come across. The good old days weren't really that good. There were problems then, just like there are now. They might have been different problems. Who knows? But I think it comes down to one thing, and that's about our trust in God. I think if you were to ask me, our best days are the days that we're living in right now. 
And I think that one of the things that perhaps being in the midst of a pandemic has brought about is a renewed trust in God. Praise the Lord. A renewed trust in God. And a new and different way to live out our faith. To live out our faith. God led the Israelites out of Egypt and to the promised land just like he leads us today. He can do for us what he did for the Israelites. It's simply a matter of trust. A trust and an expectation of joy. I love that phrase. An expectation of joy in Jesus Christ and where he's going to lead us and how he's going to lead us and what we're going to accomplish with and through him. The Israelites didn't want to go into the promised land because they didn't want to pay the price that it would take. It would mean hard work for them. It would be dangerous. They didn't want dangerous. They wanted God to deliver them. They wanted comfort and security. They wanted God to provide for them in the wilderness. They wanted the easy way out. But God said no to all of that. You can have the promised land if you want it, and I will help you, but you have to work for it. You have to go and take it. Sometimes all it takes is that first step, and God takes it from there. But we've got to make that first step. It's got to be us giving ourselves over. We have to show God, as Bill says every time he breezes up to a red light, I'm in the commit zone. As he goes right through. <laughs> Folks, we've got to be in the commit zone. We have got to commit ourselves to God's way. There are many things that on our want list, is there not? We talk about our own promised lands. And they're all probably different. We want Christian homes. We want nice children that grow up to be responsible. We want a good job, a nice retirement. But there's a price to pay for all of those things. And we have to commit to that. We have to pay the price for those things. One of the things that we want is a good church. 
a good church. But there's a price for that too. There's that commitment thing again. We talk about commitment all the time in the church. It means a willingness to serve, if you will. It means a willingness to serve in those nice, comfortable places, like singing in the choir, or angel dolls, maybe. But it also takes a commitment to the workings of the church. Oh, preacher, I don't want to serve on that committee. That's a tough committee. Oh, I don't do numbers. Don't put me anywhere near the finance committee. Well, I don't really want on that committee because it gets all too political and, and feelings get hurt, and I don't want any part of that. But those are all necessary commitments to the church for us to benefit and to have the church, the kind of church that we want. The benefit of the Christian life is out of this world. It's out of this world. But we have to work and we have to commit to it. We have to take up our cross on a daily basis and carry it forward. For if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. Are we willing to pay that price? The future is right here in front of us. God will help us if we're not afraid. If we're not afraid to try. If we're not afraid to move into that commit zone, as Bill says. Committing ourselves over to God's will and to God's direction. God is with us. He's with us whether we go forward. He's with us if we decide to go backwards. If we decide to stay where we are. But the sad part of that is we will miss out on the joy of knowing what it's like in the promised land. The hope of living and going to the promised land. To miss God is to miss out on life. So we have a choice. We have a choice as individuals. We have a choice as a church. Do we want the joy of the promised land? Or do we, like the Israelites, want to go back to Egypt? where it's easy, in a sense, where it's comfortable. The choice is ours. Promised land or Egypt? What will your choice be? Let us pray. Almighty God, you're always so generous offering the choices that you do, never forcing our hand. But Lord, you're ever hopeful, I can imagine, that we will commit ourselves.
totally and completely to you and the future that you have for us. A future living in a rich promised land. But alas, the choice is ours. Lord, help us to make the right choice. Be it your promised land or going back to Egypt where things really weren't as good as we tend to think they were. Lord, we need your help and we need your direction. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Stand for our final.